Hello, and welcome to Tales of Creation, a Learn From Gaming podcast. This is episode 4 of our actual play series for Exalted 3rd Edition, a tabletop game from Onyx Path Publishing. My name is Chase Strollenberg, the storyteller, and I am joined today by Stu Gritter, playing Rojan the Shaper, Dan Murray, playing Kair, and Fred Rojas, playing Raven the Lucky. If you have any thoughts or comments on this podcast, or even our original podcast, Learn From Gaming, please feel free to email us at learnfromgamingpodcast at gmail.com or contact us through DM on Facebook or Twitter. We have accounts for both. Now with that out of the way, let's get back to the story. I think what would be best is if we did a quick summary of what just happened in the last episode and past that point we can um, we can just sort of step step off from there because I am really ready to jump back into that point in the game but I would like uh, I'd like to see what everybody remembers from last round so let's just jump into it so Dan would you be able to summarize yeah I can do that um, we had uh... For the most part, we'd been sneaking away to uh, to Rojan's hiding place. Um, we're trying to be as uh, inconspicuous as we can in this uh, this very kind of important moment. Um, we have this incredible deed, and uh, everybody wants it, and everybody wants to kill us for it. And if we die before it gets ratified, it's uh, perfectly legal to do so. Um, so we snuck away to his secret hiding place. Um, we evaded some, uh, some watchmen from the, uh, Second Smiles. Um, encountered somebody a little more intense in the crowd who was very focused on Rojan. Um, I attempted to intimidate him poorly. He was not intimidated. Uh, but uh, going up the uh, the beachfront, we had a tail that was shaken by some kind of Rojan magic, just made him get lost. Um, uh, we discovered uh, some giant uh, prismatic seahorses in the water, referred to as tide mares, uh, which help ships, and that's pretty cool. Um, we also uh, saw a Sobacus, which was a uh, half-human with a crocodile head that seemed to be patrolling the river, uh, and seemed to, uh, be aggressively doing so, uh, something that would likely kill you for swimming there. Um, in either case, we all found our kind of different ways up into Rojan's, uh, hidey hole, which was up a cliff edge through a waterfall or something like that. Um, Rojan turned into a butterfly and flew up. Um, Raven, I think, just, like, hup-hupped, uh, rock to rock, right? Yeah, um, very Ninja Gaiden style. Yeah, and uh, I summoned my flying Nimbus and just tootled on up. Um, and we checked out uh, Rojan's big cool manse inside the uh, the cavern expanse. It was loaded with funky ley lines and stuff like that. Um, and kind of just chilled there for the night, talked some stuff out. Um and uh, needed to find our way back to the guild hall without being um, spotted. Uh, I did so in the form of several birds. Um, Raven did her usual invisible, invisible me thing. Um, 
I don't remember how Rojan got in there. I think it was a similar, something similar to mine, just flew in the window. Just, yep, turned into a bird, flew on in. Yeah. Um, and I think there was a dragon blood guarding the door. Um, and yes. anyways, uh, Coral, the uh, woman at the administration desk, uh, started on our paperwork. And we have to meet for lunch with, um, I've forgotten his name, Kyo? Yes, Kyo. Kyo yeah. and Motoko um, to, uh, I believe, get the actual ratification that makes us less susceptible to being murdered by everybody. Right. Okay, and that that is a great summary. Thank you so much, Dan. Uh, so some important notes. I'm just going to tidy a few things up so that everybody uh, is on the same page. Number one, the, the city is crawling with... They're not exactly mobilized troops, but they are the Prasad's military. And also on your ways in, specifically on Raven's way in, you saw very easily what appeared to be a dragon-blooded officer... She was standing at the door, so basically trying to guard it. But also, very specifically, there was the gentleman that uh, that you tried to intimidate, uh, Dan. He he was actually standing right beside her, so I think it's safe to assume that they are familiar with each other, especially considering they had matching regalia, not armor, because she was actually fully decked out. She she had brought her jade, which means she was dressed up. In very nice armor, not just something for dress, but if she were to go into a fight, she also had what appeared to be jade weapons. And that was on the way in. I'm going to start this session by communicating to all of you that this town right now is hopping. And there is a lot of hostile intent that can all go away very quickly. But it's sort of like you're dancing around dynamite right now and you step in the wrong spot and you're going to get hurt and this is one of those situations where i am never ever going to kill your character unless you you let me but there are a lot of opportunities for that to happen this episode (laughs) there are lots of opportunities for you to let me hurt you this episode um i'm just going to put that out there you have navigated your way through numerous situations without ever getting in a fight there is a real possibility that that could happen again this episode, and I am more than happy to let that happen. Like, I'm actually overjoyed. I'm, I'm really excited to see how you guys can avoid fighting. Um, but I'm just <laughs> oh, letting you I, know. Really? Because that's not how it seems right now. <laughs> well, no. It's, no, I, right. I, I, no, like, what I want to communicate to you guys is there are people that want to kill you because it, it's hard to state accurately the value of the deed, mm-hmm. especially because you haven't even like the guild suggested that they have taken the time to actually look at the land and they know what's sort of there, but mm-hmm. no one has been allowed to touch it. So some people have probably wandered up and checked it out, but the fact that so many people are interested in you hostily, like uh, really, really sort of interested in uh finding and uh, dealing with you or at least extorting the deed away from you as uh, the people from Champur were trying to do that should say something there's something up in those mountains and they want it yeah with with all that said let's set the scene so all three of you have gotten into the building in your own interesting ways mine was pretty boring honestly I, uh, <laughs> 
I don't want to normalize what you do, Raven, because like, <laughs> yeah, like Fred, yeah. Fred, it is important to understand that what you do is not natural. <laughs> and you should feel ashamed for it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. well, yeah. I don't mean to be casual. Like it's an extension of your ability, right? Like it is, right. It is. you are just the best at what you do in this area. More importantly, it's morning now, but this place is so much more packed than it was. Like getting in here unnoticed as a flock of birds, Dan, was not an easy feat. And trying to wrap all of your uh, splintered mind into not being noticed as you recoalesced was really tough. You had to basically navigate in ways that seemed like you were just flitting through the window and then back out again, like a bird might. So like the, the open air windows in the top of the uh, the sandstone building. But uh, in reality, you were like trying to figure out how to get down behind a bush so that you could then walk out and be like, oh, I was here all along. <laughs> <laughs> I've made a rule to decide whether or not anybody noticed, and that is recorded in the chat. You told me that I scored, so I'm going to let you decide what that means. And Stu, you had no trouble getting in. Even though you were a, uh, a slightly larger bird than normal, you were also very much a local bird, so people wouldn't think too much about it. And once you were, you know, in the proximity of the building, it was not hard for you to get in. So, very, very crowded. Lots of people already moving around. Not a military presence inside, as far as you can see. Although, if you look up and down the halls... By the way, you are all pretty close to each other. You were able to find each other very quickly, which is to say... Kyir and Rojan found each other, and then Raven was there. found them. (laughs) (laughs) Then Raven was there. I was behind the plant the whole time. (laughs) Looking up and down the hall... You can see every single office is either getting filled up or already full with people just doing their regular jobs, but also a few extra people. It's sort of easy to see where the Prasad office is, aside from the fact that they're gratuitous with uh, their decorations of jade. Hmm. And, I mean, the the symbolism. So, like, actually, uh, like Prasad banners and stuff, uh, there is a man, and sort of an older-looking man, dressed in what can be described as a jade-lined buff jacket with an absurdly large red jade. So not, not the jade that usually comes out of this town, that's that's green, but a red jade diaclave. For anybody who doesn't know what a diaclave is, it's just sort of a, a different name for a sword. But in this case, the sword is about the size of what Cloud from Final Fantasy VII would swing around. So this thing is not normal, and it's safe to assume that neither is this guy. So he's just sort of standing out in front of his office, his arms behind his back. There appears to be an attendant sort of fussing around him, actually pulling at like parts of his clothing. He, he is He's more dressy than he is military right now, but the sword is a statement. The armor is a statement. And he's just basically surveying what's going on in the hallway. Other than that, you actually see some some of the, the Volavat. Uh, so th- these are, for lack of a better term, the proof that eugenics works. <laughs> it's a horrible thing to say, but that's what they base their culture on. So the Volavat are um, they're children of many fathers, uh, is the best way to describe them. And they strive towards uh, both physical and intellectual perfection by using the effectively the seed of as many men as possible to produce the best offspring. And they're, you know, they're not 
they're not particularly bad at screening for the best traits and some of the best members of that society make sure that they get Jade out of this town and back to their home, which is actually one of the closest cities to where we are right now at Kajaru. So uh, they've got darker complexions, but they are also much taller and usually better built than anybody else in in the area, including uh, the dragon-blooded officer. They carry themselves, uh, you can see at least a dozen coming and going, both men and women. And they're, they're all very casual. They're just doing their thing. They don't seem particularly concerned with anybody else. They're just doing business as usual. But they are in here as well. Real quick, uh, just in case it matters, um, male and females both focus on athleticism, the body as a weapon kind of thing. Uh, yeah, the, I mean, the body is a temple, but um, sure. uh, the, Sorry. something, actually, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do, do an intelligence lore roll. Rojan rolled four successes. Wow. Kyer <laughs> rolled five successes. Yes, Kyer did roll five successes. Sure. And Raven rolled three, which is impressive given <laughs> you had wow, three nice. rolled. Nice. We all rolled really well. Okay, Good so job, everybody. I'll do a I'll do a rolling reveal. So Raven is definitely a foreigner, uh, but she's heard of the Volavat. She heard mostly of like a city that has advanced technology that has figured out a breeding process that produces some particularly robust and powerful individuals. But that's really all you you know. These people don't seem unnatural by any stretch of the imagination. They just seem more fit. If you had to wager a guess with three successes, I would say that they probably also value intelligence of, of some kind. Rojan has already engaged with a number of Volavat. Uh, the Volavat are as susceptible to your little statue outside of your house as anybody else. And so a few of them have actually come up and engaged with you. And what you know is they value every trait. And in fact, you wouldn't be surprised if within the next few months, as people become more accustomed to you being <laughs> in the town, you get approached to yeah, be a potential yeah, yeah. father. Yes. <laughs> now... Lastly, we get to we get to Kair. Now, Kair, you know what everybody else knows, but something else that you know beyond that with five successes is that the Volovat haven't been able to exalt. There are no records of Volovats exalting either with the blood of dragons or any other kind of exaltation that has reached far and wide. So much of what you know about the world you either got while traveling or you got while being exposed to all kinds of different people that would get captured and exchanged through the slave trade, you actually met a Volovat slave once who was miserable. Volovat are not accustomed to being slaves by any stretch of the imagination. They're very proud and very hard to break. But this one was being used for manual labor because he was a paragon of physical ability. If you had to guess, he probably didn't last very long because the mind need, the mind and the heart need to be in the work as well. And if they aren't, then, you know, people wither. But that was one of the pieces of information that that individual gave to you. And it was a supernatural individual that overcame him and enslaved him. So, yeah, this is what you know about the Volovat. Other than that, uh, you can see there the, the guild office is open. Coral is in the central desk at the entrance, still working away. But also, more importantly, the guild office 
is further back. So there's the central office where Coral works. And then all of these offices have either open concepts or Japanese style sliding doors, like sliding bamboo doors. And the guild has a set of those, but they're, they're very large and they're open right now. And then it looks like there are what are effectively cubicles and uh, segregations of, of the office set aside. It doesn't look like anybody super, super important is in there yet. And you've got, I'd say, probably at least an hour to half an hour before the people you're looking for either get in there or are ready to receive you. Is uh is anybody speaking to the um the uh the older gentleman in the like the buff jacket with the dyclave? Presently, yes. There is an attendant working away at him. You can see that he is wearing similar well, like he's got all the similar symbolism to the other people outside. You know what? Everybody make a perception awareness just to see exactly how much you can see about him. Because I'm giving a lot away. <laughs> I gotta rein it in. Stu rolled one success. Stu, he's a man. <laughs> Manly man. Uh, there's. Whoa. I rolled eight successes on seven dice. Whoa. Nice. I think I get a bonus on my awareness because my awareness specializes in people. Oh. Yeah, you would. This is a person. Well, <laughs> so, uh, I mean, how does that affect, like, what is it, how does a specialization affect? When, when investigating people, so actually looking at a person. So in, in yeah. this case, you, you're like casing the person. So you, no, 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 yeah, you'd mean, like, get one extra die. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's what I was wondering. Sorry. Yes. Okay. Thank you. Thank you, Stu, for <laughs> understanding what he meant. Oh. I got nine successes. So. <laughs> oh, holy okay. cow. <laughs> okay, so Stu looks over and he sees. I, no, I know. I'm not. Rojan is like he doesn't look at people. He doesn't care if they're not like licking his heels. He doesn't give a shit. <laughs> well, this really shows because you got a one. You got a one, and other people are pulling freaking eight and nine successes over here. Yep. Okay, so um, this is beneath Rojan to pay attention to. Um, so then, uh, we'll do. I just the, love we'll the visual the, of that. Yeah. <laughs> We'll do the rolling reveal then. So, uh, Kyer, what you can see from this guy, and just to keep in mind, like, eight and nine are incredible successes bordering on epic. Okay, number one, definitely artifact, definitely artifact armor. Um, it's all red jade on this guy. So, it's an, he's got an artifact grand diclave on his back, artifact buff jacket laced with red jade. And it looks like there are like uh, jade coins inlaid in it. When you actually look at it, you can see that there are bulges inside. I'm not saying that it's littered with currency, but it's reinforced with discs inside of it. You can also see what looks like a necklace coming down and it presenting a similar bulge with what looks like a twinkle coming just outside and actually producing light just outside of his regular shirt, undershirt that is uh, protruding outside of the buff jacket up around his neck. So he's got some kind of necklace. If you had to guess, that's probably a hearthstone necklace. So if somebody has a manse, they can put a hearthstone in it and then they respire essence faster. But also hearthstones have additional abilities, which are magical and mystical. And we can talk about them as we get closer to that. Other than that, what you know about this guy, just to look at him, and this is where we're going to start getting into it, and where Fred will know more with Raven's check, but 
This man is military. This man looks like he's been military almost his entire life. The way that he is standing, he is standing at ease, but he is standing as a military officer stands at ease. He is being attended by a lesser military officer. He is surveying everybody that comes and goes. He is also trying very hard to make it seem like he doesn't know you're there, but he has been looking at you for some time. Fred, here's what you know. Um, he doesn't just know that you guys are there. He is muttering things to his junior officer, including encouraging him to maintain the show long enough for him to finish saying everything that he needs to say to him. And what he is saying right now, as you are reading his lips as he says it, through what is a well-manicured but also salt-and-pepper mustache, is he is he's telling his officer that he needs to go outside and inform um, both of the other individuals that are waiting outside that they should probably come in because you already made it. Uh-huh. And this is with no small amount of agitation, something that would be very hard to notice if you were anybody else, but you actually can tell this dude is pissed off. You guys got in. Um, is there a... Uh... Sorry, is there, a, is there like a lounge area or something along those lines? Or a cafe or something in this place? Actually, yes. This is, um, it's a place of business, but it's also a place of respite. So most people are getting off ships. They come here. So there is a large open, it's not a cafeteria. It's like an eatery. So like there's a bunch of seafood and stuff that you can get. There's also some exotic teas and coffees, a hookah bar. And it's all just sort of out on the the terrace facing the harbor front. There's also an upper, it's sort of like an upper level, but it's, imagine this place is like three stories tall, um, but there aren't three stories. It's just open air, but there is near the back, actually getting closer towards where Rojan's house would be, because this is just a long running building with a bunch of doors in it. So getting closer to where Rojan's house would be, there's like a second floor that leads out into a dais, uh, or sorry, a dais, um, and sort of a terrace area, which is where that one dude was watching you from (laughs) (laughs) Uh, when you tried to get in here yesterday. All of this counts, uh, so that, that is also sort of like, it's kind of like a bar or just a place to like sit and relax and drink and talk. So that's there as well. There are also like private terraces for, for certain offices. So like the stairs would go up and, and open out and then you'd be able to sit out on the terrace and talk if you wanted to, but it's, it's sort of like private and secluded and you'd have to go through offices to get there. Okay. Um, so I mean, there are places, (laughs) I mean, you could probably find pastries or some kind of fish product or some kind of drink play the game is it fish bet you it is <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> um okay uh well i guess is there one that is reasonably close by that we wouldn't have to leave the like this this guild hall to get to please hold um yeah <laughs> <laughs> That was great. <laughs> yes. Sorry, I just had to roll to to see. I wanted to make it as oh, random as possible. Oh, I thought you were getting yeah, interrupted yeah, yeah. or something. <laughs> no, I just wanted to roll to see. Yeah, there's actually this charming little little pastry shop that's set up, I would say, as far away 
as as Coral can manage it to be, like far far enough away that when she screams at them to be quiet, <laughs> they can barely yeah. notice. Um, so it's it's out in the open. It's in the middle of the floor, but it's sort of like this person wheels in a cart every day, sets up some stools and a, and a couple of foldable wooden tables, and then sells their wares and lets people just sort of sit there and eat them. And it's all pastries, anything from uh, actually. Uh, I'm not sure if you've ever been exposed to this type of bread before. This looks like it might be some kind of like darker wheat. Like the the bread is almost brownish black. So ideally, I'd like to find a place where the three of us could sit down and have a conversation where at the very least, I I imagine there's going to be some tables, like some small tables or something like that. Yeah, there are uh, numerous, numerous sort of like alcoves like that, for sure. Okay. What I want to do then is try to just catch uh, Raven and Rojan's eyes. um, And in doing so, just try to like really subtly gesture, like, come with me or like, let's go over there. Okay. Um, do you want me to roll for that, or is yeah, it? Yeah, I was just no. You, I mean, you can actually just say it to them if you want. <laughs> like you can, you can do whatever. Um, yeah, I guess I'm, I'm, I'm gun shy about making noise. <laughs> okay. Um, I'm, I'm intimidated in this situation. Yeah, in either case, I will try to do that and gesture over to that, and I'm gonna go just walk to a seat at the table that will set me up with my back facing Mister Dyclave. Okay, that's easy to do. That's okay. not a well, problem. And, and real quick, I'm going to do something here. Okay. Uh, don't worry, nothing dramatic. But I do think my compatriots should be aware. So I'm going to bring it to their awareness. Um, I'm using subtle speech method. So it sounds like I'm just talking about something. Maybe I say something about needing a cup of tea or talking about the dark bread or something. It, it doesn't really matter what I'm actually or what I'm yeah, saying yeah. out loud. Um, but I can choose to convey a single message to um, each of you guys. And basically what I say is the big one in red is on to us and he is not happy we made it inside. Right. So spend your three motes and you get that action and nobody else understands what you're saying. And both Kair and Rojan understand exactly what you just said. I will uh I will cease walking to the cafe. Is Coral looking up from her work in our direction at all? <laughs> oh no. No, it's are, very are, hard are to we, remove her from her work. Uh, are are we relatively close to her at this point? You are. Okay. Yeah. I'll just I I want I'm just going to go and like let her know that we're there. Okay. So then you walk up to Coral and just like lean over the desk slowly and she (laughs) keeps trying to work (laughs) and then she notices that your shadow is on her papers so she looks up at you yeah oh oh no um sorry you're you're standing in the light okay no i'll go i just wanted you know to let you know when uh, when those other guys get here, we'll, we'll be waiting patiently. Is there somewhere we can wait for them, actually? Is there, like, do they have an office we should go and sit in while they're... 
Oh, right. Um, yeah, the, the guild office, yeah, it, it is just behind me. You can see the doors are open. If you want, you are welcome to sit in the waiting room. Okay. Thank you very much, then. Uh, no problem. Um, right. So, like, she's looking at you. Paperwork's all good, because, right? Because you're a five, or you're a six out of five. <laughs> she's she's never felt this it. way before. No. <laughs> <She's>, <laughs> that's fair. This is, that's the, fair. <laughs> this is the way she feels about her work, but you're embodying it. Yeah, um, <laughs> I was thinking like. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Wonderful. So she, then she's she shakes it off and she goes back to to processing paper. <laughs> Wonderful. So yeah, true to her word, there is there's like a waiting room within the guild office. So it's just inside, it's like just a, a couple of nice, actually nice cushioned and lined seats inside the guild office. Like there's, uh, it's pretty luxurious for just an office, but I think they they treat some more exotic and high-end individuals here. So. so it's guarded then? Well, actually, as you come in, you can see that there is a uh, a sub office on the other side, like facing opposite to where you are sitting, and it has a shut door with really really thin bamboo screens, mm-hmm. and in there there are actually two armed officers sitting. Now, what's really interesting is these two individuals are Volavat. Great, and they look at you as you come in, but they don't pay you much mind because that's not what they're paid for. They're paid to deal with anybody who's a problem yeah right as as we go in uh what are the do i guess i'm just gonna like catch when they look up catch their attention and just say hey you don't mind if i close these doors eh and i'm just gonna (laughs) close the doors (laughs) they look at you shot (laughs) all of a sudden rojan got a little canadian (laughs) (laughs) they look at you shocked sorry eh one of them actually steps out of the office and says, "I'm, I am, I'm sorry, sir, but no, you cannot shut these doors. The business is open." And then he goes, puts his hand on the door and starts moving it back open. Okay, no, that's fine then. So, sorry, I wasn't sure. Just there's a creepy dude out there. That's all. I just uh, the, yes, okay. this town is filled with unusual people. <laughs> What I, I what I like is that I don't think either of us have actually followed you in there. <laughs> oh, that, that's fine. That's... No, it's fine. Yeah, we. It's it's clear that you know I I I feel comfortable following him. I guess I could pass you a glance if if you feel Kair. Um, just kind of. I, I remember I'm new to this whole thing, so I'm just kind of playing the room right now with you two, taking your lead on this one for now and trying not to die in the process. Yeah, whichever. No, it just... Uh, cool. Okay. Yeah, cool. Follow me. All right. So Raven just kind of struts in, slumps in a chair, pulls out her cell phone. No. Um, but, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to look... Is there a... Oh, dear. Uh, what's the uh, the furniture like? Is there a lot of wood furniture in here? There's wood there, but it's like wood and then extravagantly fur-lined um, furniture. So, like, you've got... It's not like foot. What do you call those like really long footstools that you can lie on? Ottoman. Oh, chaise. Oh, like a yes. chaise lounge. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So there's there's a few of them. They're wrapped in exotic 
uh, furs, but it's all indigenous. So like the wood mm-hmm. is from here, the furs are from here, and you're you're noticing that unlike the prasad there there's no jade adornments here like that's not what the guild's going for they want you to be comfortable everything looks nice and everything looks rich but they don't treat money like a decoration they treat everything else like a decoration yeah yeah you know i just thought of something can i do i don't I'm, i'm guessing this is some sort of check but can i do a check as we enter into the office so i know this kind of happened about 30 seconds ago but just to try to casually see if the soldier in red is uh i'm I'm not really concerned whether or not he's watching us still but rather uh, that he's moved um he has not moved he is standing right where he is he's still right where he is the officer is starting to move off though the the second the lower officer towards us away from us no he's he's starting to exit the building Okay, yeah, and I'm going to boldly assume I know what that's about. Um, and then the other question is, what's the lighting like in this room? Well, actually, it's pretty well lit. Uh, there's a number of windows, many of which, <laughs> many of which uh, <laughs> Dan's character had to fly through <laughs> in order to enter. Okay. Up at the top, it's designed to have peak efficiency and peak lighting through the day. Mm-hmm. So there isn't any glass, so it's not like uh it's it's not like glass, but the the sun is coming through a number of open air windows in in the roof. Uh, about what height from the ground? Oh, uh, three stories up at least. Okay, that's all I needed to know. Okay. I mean, uh, you you could get there. <laughs> yeah, just but, casing it. Don't worry about but, it. Like, most <laughs> most other people couldn't. <laughs> I like where your mind's going, though. That's awesome. Because am I correct? This kind of closes us in. It it doesn't. It doesn't. I guess what I mean to say is from from first glance, there's a single entry and exit, which is the same door. Yes. Yes, that is that is correct. Although it, it might be safe to assume that the guild master's office has a terrace, but you'll have to wait till you get in there. Okay. It's behind another set of wooden doors that are shut that Rojan has not opened or shut yet. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to give them a minute. Watch this guy around doors. (laughs) Um, Are there any... Actually, so here's... I have a question. Um, Is it door related? (laughs) No. No. It's window related. Okay, go ahead. Um, so you mentioned there are windows in here, and obviously many of them are open. Um, and birds flying in and out being kind of a non-issue for people would suggest that there's a lot of bird activity in the area, yes? There can be, yes. Okay. What I would like to do, the subordinate that was speaking with Big Red Cloud, um, uh... Is there, are there any defining characteristics, um, like a hair color, uh, uh, facial hair, anything like that? You know what? Here, let's just read that person's profile. So she uh, she's a little skinnier, but also much younger than he is. There's nothing on her that would suggest that she... Uh, well, like, she's not carrying jade. Let's put it that way. She doesn't have any jade weapons. She's not wearing any jade armor. She's not wearing any armor, actually. She looks like a clerk. But you can see in her facial features... 
as well as her dress. Like she's got something that, that shows that she belongs with this man, that she serves under this man, but also that she might be related. Whereas his hair is salt and pepper, hers still holds a bit of a, almost a brownish red. So it's it's brownish red and it's straight, but she's got most of it sort of up in, in sort of a, a turban headdress. Okay. And she is uh, walking towards the front exit currently, yes? Uh, walking is a polite term. She's like shuffle running. Okay. Um, so I want to go to a window. Um, and uh, or at least okay. find an open window around where there's a good bit of bird activity. Uh, so I'm going to try and describe the interior again. Like most of these windows are uh, three to four stories up. To get up to them, you would either need... And oh, keep I, in mind, I, it's, I, it's yeah, open sorry. concept, right? So you sort of flew in yeah. and then sort of scattered and tried to find... A, yeah, like they're okay. they're up there, but there's not really anything else up there near them. Okay, I apologize. It's I, like, I thought I didn't realize space. they were up there. Um, yeah. Are there any birds inside right now? Um, there are a few hopping around on the windowsills up there, but like this isn't a market or anything, so there aren't any like nobody selling birds or anything. Okay. Yeah. Um. So what I want to do is just put out. Um. Well, I kind of like walking around this room as if I'm looking at the place. Uh, look at the up at the birds, and I want to put a hand up and just sort of whistle at them and try to bring them because all birds have a minor tie of fondness to me. Yes, that sounds about right. <laughs> uh, that's because huh. of your... Um, that's well, control spell. Uh, yeah, we will, we will leave your, we'll leave your secrets to yourself, but yeah, that makes, that, that makes perfect sense. Okay, yeah. um, how many do you want to try and control <laughs> this, or are you about to get swarmed by birds? Um, I don't particularly need many, uh, like at the very most a half dozen but maybe three or four so you get about three birds that actually okay. come down to you after you you do your little act the other ones are sort of apprehensive uh not because of you if it was just you all of them would come but because this is not a natural place um yeah they wouldn't usually come down this far like uh, there are people who are trained to come and deal with them quickly if they try and get at the bread or anything like that so they come down quickly and uh unfortunately because of the open air nature of this area it's it's noticed like people see them come down mm -hmm. so they're on you and i think i know where this is going but i'm kind of <laughs> interested so yeah. now what? Uh, I'll make a like a, a small show of just being someone who is good with animals, like kind of you know gentle, uh, kind of like petting and stuff. But uh, my real intent is to facing uh, some direction where people can't see my face. Um, I would like to whisper <laughs> um, a command to them. Okay. Uh, in which case, I would say this this is going to have two parts. Do you actually want to do the stealth thing? Because if you do, I will let you either do it as a as a dexterity stealth check, so like a, a feint, 
you're just sort of messing around, obscuring so people can't see it. Mm -hmm. Or you can do a performance role. I would give you a charisma performance to sort of obfuscate what you're doing oh it's as uh, a show the, the deck stealth would be a much much better role for me <laughs> okay then i would say uh roll that up you're looking at right now a difficulty three as you're in the middle of the room and birds have just flown down and people are looking at you that's reasonable um do uh with rojan's history there do i have any idea that this is a thing that you might want to do or no uh what do you mean you're asking Kair, right? You're not asking. Yeah, I'm asking Kair. Is this like would Rojan be wise to what you are trying to conceal right now? Um, I don't know. I don't know that you would have seen me do this yet. All right, then what I'm going to say is uh, he's he's not like this. Isn't something that you will see if you can't get through his stealth check. <laughs> Unfortunately, what? no. The yeah, that's that's not what it's. That's that's fine then. It. I mean, there's a thing that I could do to help, but if I don't know that he's trying to like sneak something in, then I won't help. That's all. Right. Right. Okay. Um. Yeah, I can't see a reason why you automatically would, but okay. Um. Yeah. Also, you're trying to be secret. Right, like you're actually yeah. trying to to intend. And realistically, I'm fucking with birds, and it's kind of this is uncharted territory. Okay. Um, yeah, I'm but, just sitting there, very amused by the whole thing. Uh, in terms of adding essence to stuff, I can, I can only do that on excellencies. Yes, yes if you have excellencies, which means you need to either be, uh, I think it's up. Oh, I, no, sorry. That's the lunar, uh, the lunar thing. Uh, you need to have at least one point in a so cased or favored, or you need to have at least one charm. Okay, I don't. Um, so this roll is going to be tough. Let's see how it goes. Four successes. Mother, mother, sister, wow. father, brother. Okay. Um, so <sighs> then this. This actually leads directly into the next charm, which is your charisma survival. No, sorry. Intel this will be intelligence survival. Okay. Um, to talk to the birds, to give them a command that they will listen to and enact. Okay. Um, and survival. Cool. And Boosh. I was going to ask if you wanted to stunt that, but it's all right. You already rolled it, so and I would just um, take the six successes and run with it. But now I you mean, can describe yeah, what you wanted to do. At, yeah. the, at this point, yeah, I'm just just playing with Whatever. them, faking um, like doing little whistles and things like that. And um, but what I'm going to whisper to them is uh, there is, um, I guess they can thankfully understand my. They can understand what I'm saying. So. Um, yeah. Uh, there's a woman with auburn hair. She reeks of fear. And she's about to step to the outside. The moment she leaves the door, I need you to terrify her until she runs screaming from this place. Cool. I was, expect I was expecting poop, but... <laughs> <That's>, uh... <laughs> nice. Well, message conveyed. Um... Let's see how this plays out. 
Okay. So she was in motion as the birds were coming down and she is now leaving. They, like, all three look and see her. And then as soon as she leaves, all of the play that you're doing just sort of stops and they go and they try and enact your will. So it takes a couple of moments, but then you hear her outside and you can actually hear her voice as she's she's in distress and the birds are effectively like bomb diving her um <laughs> like th- these aren't these aren't like large albatrosses or seagulls they they were just sort of like um i mean they're about pigeon size yeah and uh yeah she's she's in distress for a little bit and then you hear what sounds like sizzling and then nothing as she settles down. Huh. So somebody's eating bird. And then all three come in. So the two that were waiting outside are pushing her back inside. And you can see that she has, well, she her hair is much more messed up. Basically, uh, like her her turban sort of got torn off, and uh, it's her hair is just all over her face. <laughs> she also it looks like she has a little bit of gore on her, um, but it's not a hundred percent clear. It's either gore or ash. <laughs> Jesus! Wow! All right. Um, well, uh, the the woman. Uh, that was dressed in um, dressed in jade armor. It, you can see that she is re-sheathing her sword, and as it goes in, you can see that it is glowing hot, mm-hmm. and then it just hisses as it snaps back into the sheath. Uh, I'm going to I'm going to just sort of let out a slight sigh sit down on one of the chairs, give an eye to Rojan, and just shrug slightly. <laughs> and they come in, so the two are the two are pushing the the more distraught one. She runs back to the Prasad office. The two of them walk back over and then start talking to the older man. Hmm. So what else is interesting is there's a number of Champur people in here as well. Old Gran, uh, it's like she never slept or left. <laughs> she's she's Gee, still in weird. her office, um, <laughs> but uh, she give a polite wave. Uh, well, you're you're inside an office right now, so it would be a okay. little hard to do that. But uh, like you you could see that she was in as as you yeah. crossed the floor. Because uh, she was not that far away from Coral, as you recall. Uh, she was trying to use drop on you last night. Yeah. Um, but also Nick-Nick was in here a little bit earlier. Uh, and you sort of lost track of him, but uh, he was in here. It looked like he was just like mowing down on what's the equivalent of a seafood breakfast burrito. Um, <laughs> with like a bunch of I, his I think you just nailed it. Like we can find yeah. a clever name for it, but... <laughs> Um, so like uh, him and him and his dudes, him and him and goons co, uh, were, were just sort of, uh, getting ready for yet another rough and fun day on the docks. Yeah. Um, did, did I happen to see the dude who I said I would hire? 
was he with them when we were coming through? Like, was he sitting with Nick Nick and his and the gang? <laughs> no, not not this time around. No. Okay. Okay. I did tell him to like go go to my office and find my people, but that's fine. So, and this is an important conversation that you and I should have right now. Okay. Is your office a separate building from your house? I think we had, yeah, I think we talked about a small office, but I yeah. I don't re- I don't recall offhand. Okay. So that small office would not be in this immediate building. It would have to be somewhere else oh, because Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's in yeah. another like probably started out in a shitty part of town. Yes. So, uh that said, uh his everybody's general attraction to you when you have those sorts of conversations with them, they usually act on it, but that would mean that that individual is probably pursuing that better future that you suggested now. Excellent. Changing lives. (laughs) There you go. Okay. Um, So... Three birds at a time. Three birds as well. <laughs> Feeding the hunger somehow. How do you think we fill those breakfast burritos? And for the record, yeah, there is no clever way for seafood breakfast burrito. That's about what it's called everywhere I've looked. <laughs> oh, God. Nice. Nice. Um, delicious. Oh, God. No one's gotten uh, clever. All right. Well, you know the setting. You know what you're in. Um, you can sit around for a little bit. Um what do you want to do? We're waiting for this meeting, right? Like this meeting better have mm-hmm. like some yeah. elephants and a circus and some peacocks for how long we've been waiting to do this. Um, um, you also showed up early. A little bit. Yeah. Yeah. The um, so Only in this game is punctuality punishable. <laughs> <laughs> well, I like punished you yet. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we can just like <laughs> sit and birds. chill for a bit. Yeah, um, true. you sent so, those birds out to cause to cause evil. All right. So, so this this room, the wall, the waiting room. Is there like a part of the wall that I could like kind of do some carving on that wouldn't be in view of the guards or people through the door right now? With a stealth check. Oh, I'm I'm literally just gonna walk around the room and see like where eyesight. Like, if there's a line of sight that I can break from the guards. Like, any piece of floor. Like, if there are cubicles, I'm willing to go on the ground. Like, anything. Well, I mean... (laughs) Yes. And everywhere you go, the guards are going to watch you. (laughs) Oh, like, they're they're, they're up and... Okay. There is okay. stone. Well, yeah, they're like they're in the the equivalent of a bead curtained room. They're just sort of like they're there to watch what people in the office do. Oh, okay, yeah. Uh, so you're not the then. most subtle of individuals. Like, what would oh, be in? oh no, but I work quick, man. I <laughs> okay. work so quick. He's, no, he's I, not wait, lying. wait until you see it. All right, so I'll, like, sa- uh, I'll save that for I another know, time, then. Stu, I know what you're trying to do. And I wish I could say that they would be okay with it, but they're they already kind of on edge because you tried to shut the door. To shut the doors. Yeah, yeah. No, that's fair. That's totally fair. I get it. I get it. I get it. I'm, you get I'm like one faux yeah. pas with these they guys already. They think we're weird. 
We're the <laughs> yeah. aliens, ma'am. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm just. I mean, I'll, I'm gonna let this one go. That's fine. That's all. I, I'll just like sit and play with my fingers for a while. I'm, I'm yeah, content I mean, with that. Yeah, realistically, my prerogative is to wait until our meeting arrives, or until something happens, or until Rojan says otherwise. Yeah. Like I, I, cool. I don't mind standing by the door, like almost keeping watch, like to see if somebody else is going to come in, or if interesting people enter the hall, or anything like that. Yeah, I hate to be okay. that person. I kind of Indiana Jones up. Like, I just kind of, you know, just, again, just get comfortable in a chair and just kind of wait. Yeah. Okay. The three people who are at the Prasad <laughs> office walk in. It's important to note that their weapons are absent. The two guards, tense and stand up and the older man holds his hand up and in their well in a dialect that anybody can make a linguistics role to to check on um so it'll be intelligence linguistics says something to them and they calm down okay now here's a question three successes does my knowledge of language help me at all uh, yes, absolutely okay. it would. So um, it would be, so whatever. I've got, yeah, I can tell you what I've got. Go ahead. I think I've got, I know I've got flame speak. I've got, and then I'm written here and I can't remember if we need to make a change on this, but I have river and forest written as well. Okay. No forest is what you need. It's the root. Um, okay. So Volovat is a specific dialect. Gotcha. This guy knows it. So it's a specific dialect, but it, its root is through uh, forest speak. So if you oh, make a if you make a roll, well. okay. If you make a roll, it's really just sort of interpreting. Mm-hmm. It's sort of like when you listen to a Scottish person speak, and you're North American, <laughs> they will have slang that you just don't get. Yeah, right. Um, it's like Castilian Spanish versus various other versions of it and there you like go yeah. yeah it like very very many comparisons that you can make but the important thing to understand about linguistics and about having languages under your belt is it opens up doors and it opens up dialogues because so much of what occurs and so much conflict is from misunderstanding mm-hmm. so being able to make a linguistics role being able to understand the dialect will help you out so right now i can see dan has made enough that he can understand that dude just spoke volavat to these guys and basically calm them down and there's mine. Sorry, got a it total was, of zero successes. Oh, it was, thank you so much. It was interlinguistic. Uh-huh. Hey, it's not a botch, at least. No, no, that was very close to a botch, though. Um, so okay, that, yeah. that's interlinguistics, and I also have four speak. Oh my gosh, that was so close to a botch. I really thought it was our first botch. Yeah, we're no. If it was a botch, wouldn't it I, mean like I misinterpret what yeah. he said? Would it be <laughs> whatever I want it to be? I, uh, yeah, exactly. Be spectacular. Yeah. We've already had a botch. I rolled a botch in the first game. Yes, he did. Yeah, I forgot yeah. about that. Yeah, you got the first one. So unfortunately, Raven didn't catch it. She just she didn't quite hear it, which is surprising for you. You're you're used to being able to catch that sort of stuff, but um, mm-hmm. Rojan. You very similar to uh, very similar to Kyir. Um, you you just understand. He just spoke all of that, and it was really just a phrase of assurance. So it was just like we're not here to do any harm. We're unarmed. We just want to talk. 
So the guards tense, they stand up, but they don't, they don't move in. One of them actually utters something to him. And you hear another one just in the, in the local town actually say, be civil. If anyone gets upset, we will remove you. I like that guy. <laughs> to which you hear the woman beside the older gentleman say, under her breath, I'd like to see you try. But they didn't hear that. You guys did because you're close enough. All of their eyes, except for the guards, which are on them, all of their eyes are on you. Any one of us in particular? <laughs> your uh, <laughs> your inclination <laughs> for self-obsession is so on point it, it, and it has in to character be. that it's It's important, Rojan. <laughs> yes, do They all start by looking at, at your character. Excellent. That's what we're going for. Uh, at which point the older gentleman actually bows towards you and then says, actually spreading his arms out and looking at everybody assembled, pardon my intrusion, I know that you're here on official business. My name is Ophris Ladane, and I represent the interests of all of Prasad here in Kajaru. Beside me is Barano Sidious Flicka, and he motions towards the female officer. And then he motions to the officer beside her and her immediate understudy. And you'll notice he doesn't give that man's name, but he focuses back on all of you. I'm not inclined to mince words. In fact, I'm mostly a direct individual. We know that you have the deed. You've beaten us here. What I would like to say is that you have gotten away with it. But whatever happens after this meeting will be decided by how we discuss things right now. Your stay here can either be profitable and beneficial to all, or very uncomfortable. And he turns and looks at his palm instead of at you. And uh, you can make perception awareness rolls if you want. This will be a difficulty five. Oh, ah, one success. Ooh, that was close to a. That was close to a punch. <laughs> um, he's still looking at his palm. So, uh, Chase. I'm yes. Just a quick question. Um, I I Dan the player am. Assuming that these guys are dragon bloods, is this a thing that Kyer would also assume or realize? Yes. Okay. Yes. Uh, well, the the at least the two that are still in their their jade based armor, mm -hmm. humans couldn't carry that. It's like hundreds of pounds. Like okay. they would have to be super buff humans. Okay. But when you attune to it, it becomes like light as a feather. The 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 moats just uh, make make it easy to move. It's it's how you do the impossible anime shit. Okay. Um, so I, uh, just on account of, um, my intimacies and whatnot, um, for the most of this, I'm going to be staring, trying to keep my eyes fairly directly on Rojan, um, as if to just suggest that I'm, I'm deferring to him 
and I'm not okay. interested in this conversation. I also am going to be gripping my uh, my walking stick like a little tightly. Um, okay. Just a little tense. Also, I'm still so blown away by the seven and the ten and the successes. That you, guys got. <laughs> you know, it was really it was really nice to us at the beginning of the game. So yeah. I knew yeah. that I'd come back yeah. around. That's fair. Yeah. Stu, you haven't rolled yet, have you? Did you want to? Uh, no. Uh, Rojan hasn't decided what he wants to pay attention to yet. Okay. Uh, Ladane continues talking, uh, and he closes his fist. How does this relationship start? And he looks directly at Rojan. You're established in town, and... You notice that his eyes don't just linger on your face. They go up and down you. They're appraising you. He stops and he lingers at your hands. Specifically because, well, you're wearing something that's obvious. Then he continues talking. Rojan, you've established yourself in this town because we felt you were beneath our attention that's no longer the case we've taken the time to learn about you in what little reprieve you had between finding the deed and today where we come from this little worship circle that you're starting is illegal punishable by death we can't move against you, but we can kill your entire church. So, and he opens his hand again. How does this conversation start? Sounds like it starts with you being a dick. Dave <laughs> <laughs> laughs audibly at that. <laughs> I, I mean... I'm going to be honest, you're talking about like the profit and benefit of everyone, and now suddenly, you know, I wasn't worth your attention until now you don't get money. So I'm, I'm curious, who, who, are, who are the all that you're trying to, to benefit and profit? Oh, um, right. Well, since we've, <laughs> since we have degenerated into vulgarities, um, the all and the prophet is Prasad. Give us parts of your deed. Give us parts of your mind. And we'll leave you alone. And we'll pretend like these little heresies that you are committing are not occurring. Ignore us at the peril of everything else around you. Oh, but see, other people worship me and... If you kill them, I'll kill you, and then you won't be around. And that sounds like a self-solving problem. So here's what's going to happen. He just made a threat, and you just made a threat. Uh, how about you? I'm going to let you, because uh, he hasn't really, really hit at you yet. I'm going to let you make a... Either a pr charisma or manipulation. I guess this would be presence. 
because uh, it's not a socialize in this situation. Like you're 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 two wills fighting against each other right now. So I'm gonna let you. I'm I'm assuming charisma is probably better than manipulation for you. Uh, presence role. Um, and you've you've just narrated what you're gonna do. So do um, yeah, do a charisma presence role against this guy. If you have any specialties, um, or if you have any excellency, you're more than welcome to throw it in there. Also, willpower. You spend one willpower, you get an automatic success. You're looking to beat a difficulty. Well, right now. You're opposing his interests, so you're looking to beat a difficulty four. Is that his resolve? Yes. Is that affected by my greater appearance? Ooh, you are more prettier than him. So yeah, you're looking to be a three. <laughs> I'm I'm also going to target everyone in the room with this attack. Excuse me. Cool. Yeah, it just everyone who's hearing that is gonna get hit by that. Okay. And I'm actually going to use my anima bonus on this as well yep so it. it's just once per day when i'm making an influence rule uh, i'm ignoring negative ties any negative ties towards me or my shape and they can't be used to bolster resolve or be used in decision points hmm. okay but we can still use willpower correct my understanding is the willpower is what you use like you'd use a willpower to resist something and note one of those intimacies yeah. And then, like, you can't use that intimacy again. So anything that they would use to bolster resolve or use as a decision point, they can't. I will spend two moats. Whoa. Wow. That is eight successes to people listening, by the way. Yeah. So here's what happens. Um, the dude who is with them, you see that he actually, he, he bulks a little bit. For the briefest moment, you see that Ladane, like he, he's startled. And Flicka beside him is also startled, but they both shake it off very quickly. So in mechanical terms, they both choose to use willpower and to invoke intimacies, um, which is towards, both have intimacies towards Prasad yeah. of either defining or major level. Uh, and those are the ones that they pull on, yep. right? Like it's in their interest to get this deed and they're willing to do anything to do it because it's their right more specifically uh, you can assume that they have other intimacies that they can pull on later as well depending on how long this conversation goes but i mean they both believe that they are dragon gods sent from heaven they are going to have a lot that they can lean into to continue defending against you it's just a question of how much willpower they have and how many modes you're willing to spend mm -hmm. i guess i don't know how that would interact with the party members or the two guards, I would have been raised, like my voice would be raised at this point. Well, I guess not super loud. I don't know if they heard, but like it's not a, it was kind of like a don't fuck with my people or I'll destroy you. Right. Um, well, the guards heard it. <laughs> it's not a big, big room. Like it's not a big waiting room and the intent of the guards is so that they can, you know, both eavesdrop on the people in there, but That's also fair. make sure they're not doing anything bad. You know, like carving statues of themselves in the floor. Um, so <laughs> we'll get there. Oh, that's what. Uh, okay, okay. <laughs> now I get it. Okay, yeah. yeah. Okay. So, so the guards actually, at your comment, they both sort of step out of their little little curtain shack hole in the wall, and to the prasad, they say, "Sir, you are clearly." 
upsetting these individuals, we request formally that you leave. And for just a moment, you see on Ladane's face just a flash of frustration and anger and bestial rage that then very quickly goes back behind the mask of business as usual. And you think for maybe just a moment, you see flickers of flame just dancing on his shoulder. Hmm. But then he nods. He looks back over at the three of you and he says, I don't believe this conversation is finished. I mean, it didn't even really start. But I don't like the way that it's going. Well, why would you? You're like a dog begging to be fed. It's not much of a conversation. As he starts to walk out and he shoes uh, the other two officers... If you mistook my politeness for begging, he says as he walks, he's saying this over his shoulder, then I believe we are going to have a very difficult relationship. Doubt it. Bye. And then he just walks away. For the record, Raven had a big smile on her face. Just not not giddy by any means. Actually kind of staying relaxed, but just watching this whole thing unfold like free TV. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, just just for the record, uh, you can look out. You can see Grand Pomakin, who usually has like a pipe in her mouth. The pipe fell on the floor. <laughs> <laughs> Because, of course, that old bitch was eavesdropping. Um, (laughs) But, like, she can't believe that just happened. You're looking at the guards across from you are deeply distressed. Nobody, nobody talks to Prasad the way you just did. No one. But you did it. These are people who are used to pushing everyone around. They even tried to leverage and push the guild around. It doesn't always work. But, I mean, the guild ties everything together through commerce and transportation um so they they always have that leverage like they can just be like well we're not gonna move your we're not gonna move your jade uh, we're not, it's never gonna make it to a place where it's gonna sell and that's always been their leverage whereas prasad has always had that military might plus everybody's like bound by by the oath but you <laughs> you uh you just uh you just did not give in to any kind of intimidation from them. So uh, it's very surprising, but also <laughs> you were very rude to them, which is also very surprising. Yeah, Raven yeah. feels the need to say this out loud. So uh, she just turns to Rojan and says, well, clearly you weren't, as, uh, you weren't intimidated by them either. <laughs> um, Amazing. No, no. Um, I would have been a little bit more careful, but he, he was quite rude to me right away. And I just, I don't really have patience for that. What can I say? I was going to say something, but you had this covered, so I just let you go. <laughs> so, Kyger, there was no doubt those were dragon-blooded. And I think that we have just had a moment of somebody you really, really respect absolutely shit-talking <laughs> a bunch of dragon-blooded in front of you. How are you feeling right now? A bit, I mean, a bit relieved and, like, continually kind of thankful for for Rojan and if possible a little more in awe of him at this point I for the most part had been trying to just keep my head down and keep myself from saying something stupid but it was uh Rojan did that anyway I'm 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 feeling a lot 
I, uh, I kind of had that feeling. Well, you're going to have to let those feelings stew because we are finally, finally getting to the, the good part, <laughs> which is, hey, those people are supposed to be in this office. They're finally showing up so you can actually hear them coming. So what you're hearing is sort of like the the conversation between two people who have been married for some time. So it's sort of like the, the back and forth. And it, it's actually, it, it, it sort of escalates into, well, it's, it's a conversation about children. So you can hear a woman and a man's voice before they even enter the building. And you can hear them as they're crossing the foyer. You can hear them as they ignore Coral, as she says, your, your meeting is waiting. <laughs> uh, they're not really paying attention to the fact that the Prasad are out and actually walking out of their office because they are too concerned talking about their children and how hard it is to get little Shinji out of bed every single morning. Oh, just tell him he's the second or the third child. He'll be fine. Yeah. Send him, send him to live with Uncle Gendo for a summer. Well, that's the thing. That's the thing. Uh, Gendo the second is always up on time and is always ready for breakfast. Is always clean. And th- these are these are arguments that are going back and forth. Like they're just arguing about their two sons and how one is upright, proper, and ready, and the other one is just always lazy. And it's it's really really bugging the mother, who you can see is. Actually, strangely, uh, <laughs> dressed in lamellar <laughs> made out of jade, as well as having what is known as a reaper diclave. And these are made out of a deep blue jade. Hmm. Not that you can actually see the exposed sword, but you can just assume it's a matching set. Now, she has what would be described as a very militant air about her, on top of the fact that she's fully decked out in jade so lamellar armor for anybody who doesn't know it's it's sort of the the japanese samurai style of armor or an, another way of thinking about it is it, it's not articulated plate but it's sort of like um layers is the best way to uh describe it like if if you look it up it's a very specific kind of armor not as not as heavy as plate mail but basically just a step down Beside her is her husband. So, sorry, I'll, I'll go into a little more detail about Motoko. So, Mo- Motoko, and you can tell this is Motoko and Kyo right away because they're walking right into the office. And they don't seem to have a care in the world, and that would only be... If they own the place. <laughs> yeah, if they own the place. Motoko has what appears to be... like. She, these are shogunate features for anybody who comes from the uh the scavenger lands you can see that it's it's a very a more of an asian complexion she's got long dark hair she appears to be in her either her 20s or her 30s so late 20s early 30s uh the fact that she's wearing jade you you can also just tell she's a dragon blooded so age can be deceptive whereas her husband is just in a formal outfit very well dressed he has uh, some facial hair but appropriate well-maintained trimmed he also appears to be around the same age as her nothing about him suggests military everything about him suggests bureaucrat so this is effectively the brains and the brawn of the guild walking into the office together squabbling about their children (laughs) So a Yakuza and a samurai walk into a building. No, um. And as they come in, they notice that the guards are out because the guards are the first thing they can see from uh, the way that they're coming in. And then as they step in, they see that you are also there. And they 
both just kind of stop talking. Kyo looks, sees Rojin, actually recognizes him. These are people who are in the upper echelon of aristocracy, but they're also former clients. They recently hired you to build a, a small set of buildings on the other side of the river for one of their new contractors, one of one of the uh, the new military contracts that they have. They're, they're starting a barracks over there, and one of the officers wanted a house built over by the farms. So this is Kyo and Motoko. There's, there's absolutely no doubt. They look at you, and Kyo actually walks over and reaches out to shake your hand and bows his head and says, Oh, Rojin, sorry, um, you're... Every, you're all so early. Uh, do you mind if we actually go in our office and start to set things up? We need to make sure that the paperwork is in order. Um, actually, you know, where are my manners? And he steps back and uh, he points over and reaches for his wife to to step forward and actually sort of pull, which is kind of funny because she's decked out in armor and heavily armed, <laughs> <laughs> and like pulls her forward and she sheepishly like stands beside him and looks at all three of you and he says, this is my wife, uh, so... Yushiro, Kyo, and Motoko, representatives of the guild, and may we have all of your names formally. I don't think I've met two of you, at least. Starts to reach out to shake Kair's hand, and then also is looking at Raven, like, the, what's happening? <laughs> <laughs> um, Sorry, you're so early. <laughs> I yeah, will, uh... so it, sorry we're early. We just we figured we we kind of wanted to beat the rush today, as opposed to stumbling in last minute and rushing to get beaten outside. Oh wow. Okay, so Kair, what are you doing? Uh, just as as they do so, just um, kind of almost half-heartedly extending a hand, um, shaking, just saying Kair, and that's it. Okay, you notice that his uh, grip is firm, but sort of strangely placed, like he grabbed your hand a little too soon, so it's almost like he's shaking the, not the tips of your fingers, but like sort of up to the knuckle. Yeah, like the, um, the Donald Trump shake? Kind of, yeah. Then he moves over to Raven, and uh, he's just like, and you are Miss? <laughs> uh, yes, hello. And I, I greet him with a, a firm handshake. Nothing nothing aggressive, just, just I guess I would say confident. Uh, and I said, uh, "Yes, I am uh, Raven." Oh, excellent! Nice, nice to meet uh, all of you. Um, I haven't had time to review the paperwork yet, but I believe all of your names are on it. Uh, Coral briefed me late last night, but uh, it was kind of a busy night. Uh, the troubles of this morning also bled into the troubles of last night. Trying to get children to sleep can be a very difficult thing yeah. uh, and Mo motoko actually elbows him and like you hear a th <laughs> solid thunk because she is wearing heavy armor and he says and he <laughs> looks at her in agitation but then stands up straight and says sorry uh i'm mm, uh, well family and, business. and raven just it. goes i i can you know i i can only imagine uh and and you know i apologize for being so early uh i just rise with the sun so uh, uh we were out and about Right. Um, well, uh, no harm, no foul. Hopefully, uh, sorry, I'm just, I'm a little bit flustered. Yeah, go, um, go, go to your office, get ready. We'll, we'll be here when, when you had, have a minute. I haven't had my coffee yet. Haven't yeah. looked at the papers. Um, yeah. okay. Um, right. So he actually just shuffles past you. He doesn't even say anything. Motoko does a slight bow and then walks past you and the guards are just like, <laughs> they're just like, this is a mess. <laughs> So I have to say, so I just kind of casually glance at Rojan and go, 
So do headmaster guildmasters usually? No, this have well, it happens to me all the time. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Yeah, I don't doubt that. It's just I don't I'm, doubt that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she kind of dismisses his his statement, but leaves it there. <laughs> Rojan is an exceptional builder. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I did some work for them. They were pretty happy with it too. So you know, it's just, I, I he's impressed with the work I did. I think, I think. And Raven assesses right. this situation very appropriately and just, just kind of rolls with it. <laughs> you know, if you're looking for client referrals, like if you want to talk uh-huh. to somebody who, who for whom I've made a decent house, you know, t- get get in touch, get the name of the the, the officer that they have staying there. Uh, maybe you can. Oh. He can let you know all about the the kind of work that I do. It's really good. Actually, yeah, sure. I'd I'd love to have an outside opinion. Yeah, that's pro- uh, and and she doesn't even say I, that yeah, with snark. Yeah, no. yeah. <laughs> I, I I totally understand that. Yeah. And then there were three. <laughs> and then there were three. So there is actually a flurry of activity. There were people in the back, but just not these people. So one of the first things that happens is there's an assistant that sort of shoots out of nowhere, walks past you, like looks at you, walks past you, goes straight to the tea and coffee (laughs) section (laughs) and starts, basically she, she was holding a tray behind her back. So she pulls it out, starts basically just grabbing everything stacking stuff up, grabbing some of those sort of like black wheat pastries and just anything she yeah, can get her yeah, hands on. Coffee here too, please. You guys want one? Ooh, you got anything with sweet frost? <laughs> well, and and that's what's happening is she's she's getting the tray ready because like you were sitting in their office and nobody was serving you and that's not uh, acceptable. Um, so she may not be employed at the end of the day if she was ever getting paid to begin with. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, well, that last guy was going to toast us marshmallows, but he had to go. Yeah. So she, she comes back, she starts serving you, uh, starts asking how you like your coffee or your tea and both are here. It's important to note that yeah. both are here. Mm-hmm. Tea is a traditional drink, but coffee is, um, sort of a, a Southern drink. Both are available in this part of the world. So she's asking you what you would like, how you would like it, and then like just giving you like free food. And this is a pleasant change from <laughs> where you were yeah. <sighs> about five minutes ago. Oh, yeah, yeah. Raven definitely wants a uh, a black coffee and then a sweet pastry. Not real particular on the on the latter. Okay. Um. Yeah. I. I I don't know if I would say it's so much sweet. It doesn't even uh, have to be like of, cake. I don't want a donut here, but just something. Yeah, it's kind of tart. It's sort of like a... Um, sure. Yeah, it, yeah it, it's okay. It, it's like a soft, dark wheat bread. Oh, yeah. Flavorful, yeah. but... Maybe they have know. some honey butter. I don't know. We'll figure it out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Who knows? Who knows? There could be all kinds of... I'm not going to say no. I'm not going to say no. Yeah, but, uh, yeah. But there may she makes do. She somewhere. makes do. Yeah, she figures it mm. out. Yeah. Yeah, so you you guys just get done up with whatever you want. You have coffee. She, you'll notice that she also quickly goes to the back and makes sure that uh, the individuals in the back also have what they need. And I'm going to be um getting a, sorry ordering a coffee that is one third sugar. Holy shit! <laughs> um, it is very much for muck dog. 
not for me. Oh, okay. Right. I didn't, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, beautiful. And Kair makes the first Coca-Cola. Um, right. but, uh... Oh, man. The wettest of sugars. Um, okay. And, and Mukdog, who has both been silent and has basically hidden himself he always gets a little distracted and disoriented after you do a flight of separation Mm -hmm. but also the the need for subtlety in to uh, specifically today has meant that he's relegated most of his time to somewhere inside your clothes yeah i figure (laughs) i probably have a little like inner pocket so i'm going to be sort of anybody watching closely would probably see me like lifting the the cup of coffee like and just holding it into my coat for a moment, or, or cloak, or whatever the hell I'm wearing. Um, but just holding it in for a moment, and putting it down, not taking any drinks. To which the guards just stare? <laughs> not sure where that's going. One blink slowly. <laughs> yeah, it's been a weird morning. How's your Monday guys? going, guys? <laughs> yeah, <all right. laughs> Well, we could get killed later today, so... (laughs) (laughs) And he's not kidding. (laughs) No, I know he's not. (laughs) Hey, if you get fired, come work for me. (laughs) The one man... ABC, always be closing. He puts a hand on the side of his head, and uh, he says, "It's we would never get fired from this job. Oh, good. Good. Never it, mind then. It's yeah. just that I asked the representative of Prasad to leave. <laughs> Thank you for doing that. Well, yeah, Although dude was a I dick. F- I got your back. I f- You're a good guy. I feel I feel like he will be more concerned with you for some time, though. So, oh, yeah, he's coming maybe. for me before oh, you, yeah, I... and he won't get past me. So don't worry about it. Okay. Okay. Sleep easy. Uh, no sleeping on the job. Well, no, I, later. Come on. <laughs> and, it's <at> this, <laughs> and it's at this point that one of the other attendants come over and inform you that Motoko and Kyo are ready for you. All right. Oh, did they sneak by? All right. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean sneak by? They went to the back office. Yeah, he was being... Uh, yeah, let's, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. let's go. <laughs> So, sarcasm not lost on this crowd. Okay, let's go. (laughs) I'm going to top off my coffee before I go in. (laughs) I'm going to put a quick quick extra spoon of sugar into mine. And I'm good. I just stop. (laughs) Cool. So you get into the, the back office. Actually, as you approach, the assistant opens the doors for you, presents, like bows, presents her hands for you to go in. And as you enter... She then also closes the door behind you with herself on the other side. So she's not in there with you. It's just you and the the Yushiros. Now, when you enter the room, it is a very well-furnished office. So there are a number of places where you can sit. You can see that Kyo and Motoko, uh, Kyo is sitting at the desk. Motoko is standing behind him looking over his shoulder at the paperwork. Uh, You can actually see that Kyo is more than a little sort of agitated. He He's deep in his papers, and he is 
a little surprised at the allocations, <laughs> but I mean, he'll get to that in a bit. Uh, his 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 desk is large and incredibly well carved from some very rich wood that was probably harvested locally. It's all well varnished. You can see that behind him there is indeed a terrace, a balcony that goes out, and there's a, clearly a table out there as well. And then just around the room, there are a few interesting things. There's a portrait of what looks like a picture of what might be Kyo. Although, you know what? Everybody do an intelligence lore check right now. I know I'm not playing to everybody's strengths today, but it's just, uh, it, it's going to be a difficulty too. That's five for me. And three successes. Nice. Um, okay, so that is an older family portrait. And what at first looks like Kyo is in fact actually his father, Gendo I. That is just an enormous, incredibly elaborate and beautiful portrait hmm. of Gendo I. So Yoshiro Gendo. Now Gendo... Um, what you know about him is he was the original guild contact who set things up here. He was a dragon blooded, which means he lived for many, many years and he only recently passed away. And it, it was actually within the last 60 years that he passed away right around the same time that the original oath was sworn. And it's always been suggested that he basically died to ensure that everybody else could come to agreement and everybody could be secure here in in the mining town that was like his legacy his son evidently is also dragon blooded because if he died 60 years ago and this guy only looks like he's 30 he's gotta have something going on right now yeah that's really all you know about kyo the the yushiros motoko to look at her just based on understanding. So who got five? Okay, Kair with five. What you can see is Motoko isn't just from the scavenger lands. She also is wearing regalia that would suggest that she is, she is Lukshayan. That's a bit unusual to see a Lukshayan uh, representing or actually being here with the guild. But if she is married to Kyo, that means that she she was probably married off for a particularly large dowry, which means that the guild paid her family to maintain the dragon-blooded bloodline for the this guild member, hmm. which is weird because guild members, uh, like higher-up guild members, aren't allowed to be exalted because nobody trusts the exalted. They feel like they can manipulate things too much, and like power and commerce, you want to have just plain mundane humans doing it because you don't want to tip the scales in any one person's favor. But this town was founded by the Yushiros, and evidently Gendo wanted his legacy to continue, and they are having many babies, so <laughs> they have at least two that you know about. So there you go. Oh, I'm sure Asuka and Ray are back there somewhere. <laughs> You're Maybe and somewhere. And that one who, threw, who showed up for three episodes and then died. <laughs> you, you just gotta find him um Kauru, hey wait till Kauru shows up yep all right so kyo signals for you to sit down and he actually says i'm just i'm going over the last parts of this contract now mm -hmm. now i trust coral she has a mind 
unlike any other mortal I've ever encountered, and she often works towards the best possible deal. I think based on our understanding of the land itself, and he looks up and he puts his hands on top of the, the paperwork, this seems like a bit of a high a bit of a high percentage for you to be taking considering how much work we're going to be putting into assisting the establishment and transportation of the jade for your mine. And he's not making any role right now. He's just sort of stating it as a fact because you guys got an incredible bureaucracy deal, mm-hmm. but you didn't get it on him. You got it on Coral. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, well, it's a relatively low percentage, perhaps because the the net is going to be so high, right? I mean, there's just... I w- the word is that there's just so much coming out of there that you guys are still going to be making money hand over fist. Uh, and then you actually see Kyo smile. It, it's it's not that you're wrong. And the fact that your mind has lain dormant for almost 60 years um, would mean that you have easier access to whatever is there waiting. I, I just, I find this so interesting, this deed. People have searched for it for decades. I, I mean, since the initial oath was sworn. This thing has been around. I don't know why my father made it, but you have it, and it's here, and your names are already signed on it, and all I have to do is ratify it, but I'm just not comfortable with the percentage, and he's going to make a, he's going to make an intelligence bureaucracy roll um, against all of you, so... No, you know what? This is a manipulation bureaucracy because the terms have already been established and he is trying to renege. So this is going to be a manipulation bureaucracy and it's going to be against, I believe, your resolve. Oh boy. Yeah, it's against your resolve. So he's trying to get something out of you. He's not trying to instill instill something new or trying to intuit something. So a minor intimacy, either four... If a minor intimacy would help you defend against this, it would be a plus two to resist. Mm-hmm. If it's a major, it's plus three, and if it's defining, it's plus four. Okay. If it's something they're trying to exploit, it would give you a negative one, a negative two, or a negative three. So right now, he is just trying to get the best deal okay. um, for the guild rather than what you guys did, which was the best deal for yourself. So if you have any, any intimacies towards your own resources or wealth or... Anything like what that? about uh, I, is this fair to consider this oath breaking? I mean, we drafted a contract, and now they're saying that no, we want to change this part of it. You you drafted a contract with a clerk, and this is the ratification process. This is not breaking an oath. Okay. This is this is negotiating. I'm trying to see how this is interpreted from a gameplay perspective. Is so he's making. He's made a bure- he's made a manipulation bureaucracy role. Yeah, but he's uh, taking a he... cheap shot using the um, the deed itself. And I'm trying to figure out if he means that in earnest, and if I can utilize that, or if that's just a wh- however you want to put it, manipulation, uh, a, a negotiation tactic. At which point, I don't know that it holds much weight. Yeah. It's really right now. He's just trying to wield to get the best deal. 
Um, right. He he talked about the deed because it's such a weird thing that's been held over everybody's heads. Anybody who's cared for for a while, the guild had no idea where it was, right? Right. And it's just it's money. It's effectively free money because you can't mine that area without the deed, or you you run the risk of breaking the oath. Right. So he was talking about it because, like, you've basically won the lottery a hundred times over. Well, depends on how I came to possess that deed. But all that said, so outside of Resolve, how do we boost these things? Okay, so Resolve is a static value. Yes, that, I've uh, got, you, yeah. That you can boost if you have, okay, so... The, the role or the, the value itself is wits plus integrity. Yep. So if you have a wits excellency, if you're a lunar, or if you have an integrity excellency, if you are a, if you're a solar, uh, you could boost it. Now, I shouldn't have rolled. You guys should have declared your defenses first, but basically <laughs> I rolled because now you have a target value that you can try and work towards. Um, when buffing a static value it, for every two motes that you put in, you buff it by one. Up to a limit of, I believe, your ability plus attribute. See, according to this, resolve is wits integrity, wits integrity plus and specialty. Integrity plus specialty divided by two, rounded up. And so we just use motes to buff up to a certain limit. Yes. Yeah, so right now, why don't you tell me what your base value would be? Sure. And then, so what is your base resolve? Three three okay so your wits and integrity you can probably up it by probably by another two i don't know if you're going to be able to resist this role right now yep 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 yep. alternatively you can use a willpower to resist but you have to oh. use an intimacy that's in line with it sorry that's really important for social oh, combat okay. you can also use an, a willpower and then evoke an intimacy that would just like flag it as not acceptable so in your case, Dan, if you don't think you're going to be able to boost to, to defend, you could just spend a willpower and be like, no, that's not in Rogan's favor. And then you're protected from this type of attack for the rest of the scene. Oh, man. <laughs> it's hard. I've already spent a willpower, and I don't know how, how easy it is to get them back. Um, I've got two. I've got to check. Because, so. yeah, like my base resolve is one. <laughs> oh it's oh it's hideously bad yeah yeah that's why i'm so susceptible to erosion <laughs> so yeah. here here's the thing how this strikes you if you don't want to resist it is his claim is fair when you think of everything that he just described it doesn't seem unreasonable for him to want a little bit more money than what you're offering now as for stew I don't know how Stu feels about it. I don't know how Rogan feels about it. Um, I I definitely have I have a few different minor intimacies that I could easily pull on, um, and I can dump essence in to get me to eight. And or, all you have to do nine, is meet it. Really, you don't have. Yeah, all you have to do is meet it. You don't have to beat it. I thought you had to beat it. No, you just have to meet it for social. So I can use that willpower. I can use one willpower and that intimacy to basically resist this. 
Yes, you can. That that is an option, but it's important to note that the longer that you talk, if he frames the argument in a different way, it means you have to think about defending it again with another intimacy, and that is the true threat of social combat. Is the right. longer you talk, the more likely it is that somebody will start to wear you down. So if things aren't going your way in a social setting, so usually sometimes, especially if somebody's better at, at talking than you are, it's often better to just walk away or punch them in the face. If you punch <laughs> this guy in the face, though, it's I think not you're going to be in a lot so of trouble. Well, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It'd be amusing, though. It'd be a great story. Um... Oh, you know what else I can do? No, I don't. Sorry. <laughs> I, I, okay. I didn't realize that this was actually um, a super quick thing. Uh, this is actually reflexive. Uh, I'm going to use the argument eclipsing shadow. So I don't need to speak. Rojan doesn't need to speak to voice his disapproval. Um, okay. When he perceives a character making an influence <laughs> role, uh, he distracts him with an alluring beauty or wordless menace. In this case, probably wordless beauty. Um, so the target <laughs> suffers a minus lunar appearance minus his resolve penalty. Minimum minus one on his roll. So, okay, that, that would have happened before the roll. So don't worry about that. Never mind. Right. Well, so, yeah. In the, so in the future, that's so a quick. thing that I could have done. Yeah. We, we, will, we will slow things yeah, down we'll, in the we'll, future. Yeah. We'll, that's, yeah, I should have been on that. Um, okay. So, Kair, you're going to do, you're just going to spend the willpower and be like, or, or are you just going to accept it? I, I think I'm just going to accept it. Okay, and I think that's wise. To you, this would seem fair. Um, I know you don't like dragon-blooded per se, but like this is the request of an organization, right? Like many parts working in tandem, um, paying them for it doesn't seem unreasonable. Oh, yeah, no worries. Yeah, uh, Raven, what, are you going to spend a willpower, or do you think that his requests are reasonable? Can I consult? Can I consult Rojan on what he's gonna do? Um, Rojan can respond, but uh, <laughs> like, this is, is that this possible? Is, can you? Is stunting your resolve a thing? Yeah, you can stunt your resolve. <laughs> but again, again, Stick your like, fingers in your ears. I was about <laughs> to say, like, yeah. Again, I apologize for rolling first. Nope. I should have waited oh, to okay. see if you guys were going to defend no it. You were excited to throw some dice at us. Yeah. We've been just, like, dodging all your shit for, yeah. for four games, man. <laughs> like... Yeah. Well, this is the bureaucrat king of the, the town. so You know what? He's Fuck gonna... it. No, I'm going for it. I'm using a willpower. I'm going to try to use my intimacy to resist. Okay. Um, and then, uh, Stu, you... I, I can just dump a bit of essence in and get my resolve up to eight. Okay, yeah, in which case you do that Jesus. easily. Yeah. Well, yeah, Stu, Stu is made for one thing, and yeah, it's yeah, yeah. awesome. So you can, you, can use, you can use essence as well? Uh, be, well, I, because I have an excellency. Okay. So I can... Yeah, if, if you have an excellency in integrity, you could also potentially do that. But with no. a resolve of one to start, you're <laughs> yeah, it's not a long ways out there. Good, I have yeah, an integrity not... of zero. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. I walk uh, around with a fucking rat made of worms all day. I don't have integrity. <laughs> well, it's it's funny that you should say that because it makes a lot of sense when you consider what that rat is. Yeah. Um, True. 
so my my reflexive then instead of that charm, I could use the boy's lion attitude. That's also a nice cheapy. So I can reflexively make an influence roll. I would encourage you to do that then. Yeah, if you would like. Yeah. So I'm going to get him, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> get him, sexy. Say, uh, spray that sex. <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> so Rojan is going to make it almost look like he's placating a bit and just off the cuff say, um, well, I mean, obviously that, that percentage makes sense. I mean, it stands on its own right now. Um, I could see that going up if, you know, the guild is extending further protection to to the miners or, you know, providing, you know, extraneous services. And... The influence role I want to throw out is um, that he he wants to. Um, I want the contract to include more benefits than than currently exist. Okay, well I'm going to give you a just because I haven't given any out yet. I'm going to give you a two dice stunt. So that's uh, two dice, one automatic success. Okay. And you'll gain one point of willpower back. Also, stunting is how you get willpower back. Yeah, and essence when as you, well. When you can't sleep. Okay. No, not in this one. Not, not oh, it's anymore. not essence in this one, just willpower. Okay, yeah. Right, because it's the successes and everything. Um, so, sorry, his resolve with my six appearance right now is... Okay, the problem is you're in his element, and he has a defining intimacy to getting the best deal. Yeah. Um, so he is at a plus four to, so plus four to his regular resolve, which is traditionally five. So, uh, with your attractiveness, you would bring him down to eight. You have to beat eight. Okay. Um, and this is a... In this case, this would be, uh, if you're being honest, it's a, it's either a charisma or appearance role, mm-hmm. um, plus I guess socialize. No, this is bureaucracy. It is bureaucracy. Okay. Yeah, this is bureaucracy. Still, you're 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 haggling, you're negotiating, but I'll let you use either charisma or appearance, because you kind of, sort of described. Yeah. Both. Yeah. Okay. And people rarely ever roll appearance. Oh, am I gonna, am I gonna, am I gonna pump this roll up? Do it, do it, do Are it. Are you gonna botch it? I'm I'd say botch it. Stomp the shit out of him. Yeah. Like, I like really want you to botch this roll. Stomp him socially. Okay. Um, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go through a lot of essence here. Okay. <laughs> oh god. Is that okay? Uh, don't what? Don't blow up. No, 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 no. I'm away from blowing up. But yeah, let's uh, let's go for broke then. You've got to be shitting me. Nothing. Wow. Nine dice, two successes. Wow. That's how you. That's Whoa. how you get shit on by dice. Right. So Kyo just holds his hands. Somebody in front hacked of his our face. game. It's hackers. <laughs> and says, while I I appreciate your fervor and. Um, uh, I, I guess enthusiasm. I really feel like you underestimate the 
the overall efforts that are going to need to be put into reestablishing the mine, getting the miners there. And then, uh, I mean, some of these conditions, you've, you've got like this new platform being set up, this private dock, like there are, there are some very unusual uh, amendments uh, to what would be observed as a regular contract. Incredible, really. Uh, I, I'm impressed. It's uh, it's it's a piece of it's a piece of uh, well, I guess penmanship. Uh, and it's at this point that Motoko actually uh, speaks up. We haven't actually had anybody go to the mine in a few years, so we're not a hundred percent sure how secure the site is. Oh, uh, good good point, dear. So security is another issue. I'm not sure if you're aware, but we've had a few problems with the wildlife. So there's no guarantee that the the mine isn't overgrown. And if it is, then we'd have to hire the lumber crews to come and effectively clean sweep it again. Also, there's a lingering issue of rogue demons. Unfortunately, our oath-sworn partners, the Yasir, have been a bit reckless with their summoning which is not outside of the realm of the oath they can summon demons as much as they want unfortunately and uh, that means that we have had to have a few very specific and specialized cleanups how long like what duration of time are we talking about in terms of uh you guys actually being able to turn this mine on like, is it a month down the road, two months down the road? So, so Motoko speaks up again. Uh, that is, uh, we can't really assess that until we go and, uh, until we go and survey the mine again. And yet you want to renegotiate terms. Well, only because it's increased risk. With higher risk means we would need more money to motivate individuals to go there. Traditionally. Uh, most people aren't going to do it out of the goodness of their heart, unfortunately. Uh, and <laughs> I completely respect that. Uh, you are a guild. The soul, the purpose here is to make money and be successful in doing so with utilization of various assets. All that said, Rojan made it very clear from the beginning, and we all in this room know this to be true, that even a, a meager percentage out of what is in this mine is a fortune so when you start factoring in scale kind of an irrelevant point so if you want we can like assume a worst case scenario and throw some flat numbers down i mean i'm you know and then we'll just pay that little bit extra off and then uh leave that percentage (laughs) alone so well okay so kyo sort of sits up He's starting to realize that you're not just going to agree, but he also knows that you can't leave this room without him signing this paper, because if you try to leave the building afterwards, there are going to be some bad things happening, but not not helping you through this process reflects really poorly on mm-hmm. him, because you have every right to this mine, and him delaying it is, is just, like, it's just, it's just a tactic. I'm going to really strongly urge you to just consider upping the amount by 1%. 1% is all we are looking for, so an additional additional single percent. 
And with that, you would not just have all the things that we've already promised, but you would also have some sway with our newly commissioned military units on that side of the river. We have actually hired a mercenary crew of the Volabat, the Lesser Sons. Now, they, you actually built their facility. You might remember their, their, uh, their actual supervisor. You could have some sway. You could actually command or inform them where to be stationed. You would have some autonomy with them. We would give you that. If you would entertain the possibility of giving us another percent in this deal. Do we, um, have we at any point identified what the actual percentages are? Yeah. Yes. So yep. right now it was, it was going to be uh, 34% for Raven, 33 for the other two party members, and the guild was going to be taking 2% off the top. Right. So they're negotiating for three right yeah. now. And um, then you would have some autonomy with their military elements. on basically get river. police escort. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm curious uh, because this is something that I personally am willing to entertain. What is the guild's military or mercenary availability on this side of the river? <laughs> like in the town here, in the town proper. <laughs> okay. Well, in in the town immediate, we're also commissioning the lesser sons. So the same mercenary organization, we're we're starting to increase their influence on this side of the river. We had to station them on the other side just because uh, Prasad was observing their hiring as a buildup of military forces. And the last thing we need is Prasad bringing more soldiers into town. There's nothing in our oath that says that they can't do it. They just can't act with them. But the problem is the more individuals you bring into town, the more likely it is that people are going to get rowdy, the more likely it is that there'll be bloodshed. And if any lives are lost in that process, and this is very important Mm -hmm. because the oath does not stipulate physical harm, but if any lives are lost, that's when the oath breaks and things get ugly. Okay. Now, we also occasionally commission the Volovat directly, so the actual Volovat, not just these mercenaries, to uh, to perform military actions because they have the second largest military presence. Unfortunately, we don't, we don't traditionally trust Brasad or Champur or the Yasir with any kind of military actions just because they're never really interested in cooperation. Our oath says that we tolerate each other, not that we have to get okay. along. Um, I'm I'm just... I'm just asking, like, if you guys if you guys are looking for one percent more, what I'm saying is that I'm I'm willing to just give up one percent of my own share off the top if you're willing to extend that protection to miners from our section in town. I I don't trust the things with the demons. I don't trust the people in town. I intend to make this mine a good place to work, and I don't want the people who work there to be, you know, targeted or harassed in town. I think 1% more is going to more than adequately pay for a bit more muscle to help even just keep things civil here. I mean, it's crazy out in the town right now. We can make this a better place. And at that comment, a smile just spreads across Kyo's face. 
And he says, of, of course, uh, miners are valuable resources, as valuable as any other component in the great machine that is commerce. So I would be more than happy to oblige the suggestion um, of any, any, anyone who signs, like once this, it, it's important for you to understand that once this contract is ratified, you are all housed under this agreement anybody who who is associated with you is housed under this agreement no one can take their life from any of the other stakeholders it means they can not kill you and even open hostility like it, it you the best way to describe it is you would feel when you are about to break the oath like you will know it's uh kind of divine like that but more importantly any extension of the guild, if anybody moves against any extension of the guild, which your, your workers, your transport, they will all be. That is in direct violation of the oath, but also in direct violation of all rules set up in this town and directly against the interests of everybody in it. Nobody moves against us. I would love to believe that. I would. I just, again, I, I, I don't trust this town. And again, I'm willing to give you that 1% if this states very clearly that our miners are protected not just from being murdered, but from physical harm. I don't want our people getting beat in the streets because they have better jobs than the other miners working at the shittier places. And as you're saying this, he's nodding and he actually pulls out a brush, uh, like a fine calligraphy brush, and he starts actually writing out the terms at the bottom of the deed to, to match your request. So he, he puts it on there. And then he stands up and he reaches his hand out and he looks at all three of you and he says, this is amenable. I, I am more than happy to agree to this. If we shake on this, then it gets exercised. Rojin, you sacrifice 1% to us and all of these new terms are included. Uh, sorry, I couldn't quite see what you actually wrote down there. <laughs> you can look at it. It's what you said. <laughs> So anyone in the town, like anyone who mines at our place, is protected from physical harm. Yeah, if you're in, I'm in. I'll, I'll give 1% for that. Oh, careful. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I didn't say I said... Damn it. Okay, no. You just, don't the, the, give 1%. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you don't... Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, um, but I, I mean, want... Well... But why? Why he get? Why would he? If you wanted to like proffer a third of a percent, is once that's done, that's that that's was kind of yeah. I get it. I was, yeah. Okay, I'll talk to you. Um, we'll, we'll talk later, bro. Uh, but yeah. Um, so uh, <laughs> all right, I'll just I'll just sit there quietly. Uh, <laughs> no, it's okay. Like your your heart's in the right place. I I just I I just need to know, like, because I'll be frank. You seem eager. I get it. Like one percent, like we said, is uh, uh, a lot of the money. But what guarantees do we have that the standing army representing the guild, protecting our people? What is the guarantee there exactly? Right. So here is where Motoko starts to describe exactly in military terms what you will have access to, what you will be able to do in terms of command, the standing standing numbers of the forces that they have access to. 
which doesn't just include the Lesser Sons. There's also another organization that deals down in the port, so you would have some autonomy with them if you ever actually go back south. But you're going to have to make an intelligence war role to interpret everything she's saying. Because I know that's your strong suit. Everybody can make this roll if they want. May I know the difficulty? Right now, the difficulty is two. Okay. And now I get six successes on five dice. Where were you yeah. earlier? <laughs> I, I guess I could roll for posterity's sake. So I, I you guess... You don't want me to roll. Well, well <laughs> I kind of do. <laughs> I, I kind of do as well if you, if you fail it. Out of character, what I'm trying to, to pin down here is that with the threat of the Prasad coming and like dragon bloods coming in and killing my cult, I want to know that if I tell my cult to work at my mine, that they will be protected. This covers them. If okay. they work at the mine, if they go and work at the mine, uh, they're fine. More specifically, actually, this is something you would kind of need to make an intelligence Okay. Uh, okay. Bureaucracy role, but There's I'm just I'm just gonna give it because why? why so. Oh my goodness. Okay. Oh wow. You still did it. I'm fine. Um, I'm fine. I can I can do in bureaucracy if you want. No, you don't. Right. You you don't need to. I'm just gonna give it to you. If they work at the mine, even just for a day, they're covered. Okay. So how do we file that claim? No. Um. <laughs> you could even make the uh, your followers into a recognized organization, and then give that organization one percent, so they're stakeholders. True. Yeah. Yep, that too. Okay, so you've all rolled your war. Uh, what you understand is, oh god. what you understand is that i'm going to give you full details of the military outfits that you have access to now at At a a later later date because i don't have them ready no totally fine totally fine totally fine but uh yeah I i didn't really expect stuff to go in this direction even though i offered it to you it's not an insignificant amount more specifically the the lesser sons they're some of the best mercenaries you will ever find, not just in this part of creation, but in the entire world. Excellent. Outside of dragon-blooded because of just their lineage. They're called lesser sons because they don't have as many fathers as regular pure-blood Volovat. A lot of them are just reproduced naturally as opposed to the, the sacred ceremonies, but that's more politics and lore than anything. These are still some incredible soldiers that are looking to prove something that are also happy to work for a dollar. It's an interesting mix. Um, and you, you only find it because you're so close to all of that. Most people would never hire them because they're so out of, like, it's hard to get them. Um, I guess just before I shake your hand, the only other ratification that I don't know if you'd be amenable to it, it's like I'm just throwing it on the table. You've seen the kind of work that I do as a craftsman. If there are any kind of like shelters or barracks or any buildings or structures that you'd be pulling people in to to build out of wood, I presume, if you want, instead you could ship in stone. I work better with stone instead of wood. And instead of spending money on the people doing that building, I can do that building. And... It's at this point that Kyo looks at you and he says, I'm sorry, I'm just a little confused. Are you offering additional services as well as your 1%? In order to make everything there better, 
I'm willing to put some of my own effort into the place. Yeah, yeah. I, essentially, I, I like. I'm not interested in the logistics of how you get materials, but you know, effectively. Oh. Okay, well, I mean, I'll, I'll stop you right there. Like, this is going to be your claim. You can build whatever you want there. You can do whatever you want there. With the infrastructure that the guild would be responsible for, if there's anything major structural that you would do out of wood that maybe would be better out of stone, then instead of bringing in wood and hiring carpenters, <laughs> you know, just <laughs> instead sorry, get better I don't, materials. I don't, mean to, I don't mean to laugh, but... The mountain is made of stone. Yeah, exactly. We quarry it all the time. A number of the, the buildings here are made out of stone. Like, you, if you want to build the infrastructure over there, you will have access to both. If that is, if that's how you want to do it, <laughs> like, you, you're welcome to. You can, you, you're welcome to do okay. whatever you would like. I'll, I'll deal with and, that down uh, the line then. No worries. Never mind. Okay. And so then he looks at, yeah, he feels like he's gotten what he needed out of um, Rojan. So he looks at Kyrie, he looks at Raven, and he says, I- I'm reluctant to ask, but are are both of you also okay with this? Your 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 um, signatures are already on the paper, but I just, I want to make sure verbally that everything is all right. I'll uh, kind of just look at him, look at Rojan, uh, now back to him. Um and now back to Rojan. Yeah. Sadly, he isn't Rojan. <laughs> now Rojan's on a horse. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, uh, back to him and say, if this is fine with Rojan, it's fine with me. To which Kyo nods and then he looks over to Raven. His 1% workers? Sure. And then Kyo smiles and he sits back down. He reaches into the side of his desk, pulls out what can only be described as a, well, it's a jade stamp. (laughs) He dips it in the paint that he was actually using for his calligraphy, and then he actually carries it over and slides it over a part of the deed. And he says, well, with that, I believe our business is done. As for the inquiry that, that Rojan had, it may take some time for the mind to get up and running, but as for this deed, you are now presently owners of a particularly large piece of land on the other side of the river that is, I mean, we can provide you with all historical records you need, but uh, there is a strong, deep vein of jade there with certainty. So I think... You're rich. And then he sits back. Well, we will be. Welcome to Gajaru. <laughs> he says to Raven. And Thank uh, you. nice doing <laughs> and nice doing business with all of you. Uh Motoko, can can you see them out? And then uh Motoko nods and looks to all of you and just points her hand to the door. <laughs> as she moves past you to open it and as she as she's stepping out she says our business is concluded but if you would like to have uh, lunch with us later you're more than welcome to 
We can talk about any number of things, but I, I would also understand if you want to maybe just start investing, investigating the claim. Um, if you need an escort out there, just let me know. I'd be more than happy to accompany you or to provide you with the information that you need for the, the lesser sons. I mean, you've, you've met a few of them before already, Rojan, but traditionally, if, if you needed an escort, I would be more than happy to help. And then she looks over at Raven and says, I'm, I'm sorry, don't mind my prying a little too much, but where exactly did you find this deed? <laughs> so I got to ask you a quick question. Yeah, go right ahead. Uh... Yes, your intimacy comes into it. Well, not only that, give me one sec. Uh, I need to check it out and know if this is a public thing. So I'm sorry, Fred, you have to roll three dice. My walls are up. Uh, Okay, doing it right now. Rolling dice is good, right? Especially when it's a low number, like three, and you botch. Oh, don't worry. If there was ever a good time to botch, it was that. Fred, you have accrued no limit. (laughs) <laughs> oh, wow. wow oh that's too bad okay so how would you like to respond she smirks and goes i guess you could say it's just always been with me she looks you over and accepts all right then also your accent suggests but your appearance maybe not so much that you've spent some time in the scavenger lands is that so the claws come out um you don't have to you don't have to roll limit again no (laughs) it only happens once once per session yeah i'm familiar with those parts i guess you could say whether born with it or over time i've i've picked it up and at that comment her face actually lights up and she says i I, I'm originally from Lookshy, and she she's she's getting very animated. She's actually touching her chest, <laughs> and she's like, "I sometimes I just I miss home." Have you have you ever been to Lookshy or any any of the uh, the cities around there? Yeah, I have to look that up. <laughs> okay, so Lookshy is just one of the cities near. It's it's sort of like I, on the other side of the coast from. Yeah, I think um, I, w- I think I would where be you came from with that. Yeah. So I'll just kind of warmly go, oh, yes, I, I'm familiar with those areas. Uh, very, very wonderful lands. Uh, had a lot of uh, a lot of good memories from that area. Oh, that's great. All right. I'm not, it's usually supposed to be a surprise. Uh, and she actually starts to move you guys away from Kyo's office. Something like what just happened. I'm, it's not like it happens every day. But the fact that we have a final shareholder uh, for, for the Oath Sworn means we're obliged to have a party. So in celebration of your deed's discovery, we're thinking in about a week's time, we were going to throw a sort of a gala. It'll be at our estate here in town. Of course, you would be the guest of our honor. Would you maybe meet me there? We could have some conversations about your time in the scavenger lands. Sorry, I just, I get... I I miss home. I just I like talking about it. I don't get a lot of opportunity. At this point, uh, Raven kind of lights up and says, uh, "I'd be delighted." 
Thank you so much. And she actually grasps your hand. Wow. <laughs> She's like, I look so I look forward to talking to you. And then she realizes what's going on and she like recovers and like suddenly the iron rod goes back in in her back and she's just up straight and she's like right well thank you for your time everyone again the uh the offer of a free lunch is on the table and she's slowly like just any decorum is starting to fade away <laughs> she's realized that she's sort of done a faux pas or you can go you know um right uh be in touch and then she starts shuffling back to kyo's office good luck to both of you with your sons and then she looks back at Kyer and genuinely, like a look of genuine, just sort of tenderness, says, thank you. And then turns around and goes back into the office. And I think maybe we'll call it there. Yeah, I'll get you the information on the mine. I'll get you the information on the soldiers that you now theoretically have access to. And you've got some options. So I'm thinking in like, uh, we're about to talk about experience and stuff in a second, but some things to think about as we're leaving, what next steps do you want to take? You have the option of a military escort out to the site. You can either, you can also go and scope it out for yourself. You just got invited to what is going to be the biggest party of the year outside of whatever other huge parties they usually throw here, which I'm guessing they probably don't throw a lot. So you've got options. You've got some choices for where you want to start next session and what you kind of want to set up. Because if you want to go adventuring into the wilderness, we can do that. If you want to do like the, the deep party social, we can do that. Um, I'm guessing you probably want to get your hands dirty. <laughs> but, but I'll let you guys tell me. But all of that said, I am going to give you all, I'm, I'm not going to do the solar or lunar experience this time around. I, I don't feel like that really came into play. It was just a bunch of good social interaction. So I'm just going to give everybody just a straight four experience for the session. And then I'm going to open things up. So I'm going to ask... Uh, Let's start with Raven. Raven, uh, what did you and Fred, what did you learn this session? Uh, expect the unexpected. Um, there's there's always the anticipation of uh, poor dice rolls or something like that. But those curveballs at the end, yeah, if I... Uh, and and I'll, I'll weave this into to the next session, but <laughs> there were some parts of my personality at odds in what just happened at the end there. <laughs> and I don't know why I let my guard down at the very end of that episode or of that session, but, uh, but it, it came out of left field for me. So <laughs> it's um, okay. That's great though. But yeah, expect the unexpected was, was the new lesson for me today. Awesome. So then Dan and Kyer, what did you, what did you learn today? What did you take away from today? I think the uh a couple things one the the very like almost impertinent arrogance of the of the dragon bloods with the prasad coming into that uh that room with us it's nice to know some names now on some of these people and really I think the biggest thing for me was learning actually the kind of the dynamism of the social combat side of things 
Because I think for the most part, we've only really seen like Stu do social combat with stuff. And it's been the one time that we've all had to bring our resolve into it. And it was uh, like, it lets me, it really let me see one of these things. that's like a, uh, a very intentionally a, a blind spot for my character, but uh, like lets me see how a little more of how it's going to yeah, that's a very good point. Going into Exalted, you're not always going to think about your static values. Now, we haven't seen combat yet, so I think I'm going to... And Stu, I am going to get to you and I'm going to talk about what you learned, but we haven't had a physical combat yet. So I think I'm going to hold off on getting you to lock in your characters until after next session. So that'll be the fifth session, just in favor of you getting some combat in. Okay. Like, I want to see what you suggest you want to do next session and if nothing else i will basically force you guys to spar with each <laughs> yeah. other for fun yeah. just so you figure out what it's like it's something that i that is actually very integral to the game i am so happy to be in in a game where you're not even like you have you've come so close so many times and it just it hasn't escalated to that point yet uh, i wasn't sure how things were going to go down with prasad I kind of knew going in that you weren't really going to come to blows in the building because that could have had some serious ramifications and is a big, big no-no. But I wasn't sure if you were ever going to try to exit the building or if you are going to try and do anything on the terraces, <laughs> which you never did. You never took that bait, so good for you guys. Uh, not that I was going to hit you on the terraces, but... Uh, well, it's not that we didn't completely take that bait. There are three birds. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> three birds learned their lesson, yeah. But uh, sorry, birds. Sorry. So we're going to hold off on locking in characters until after next session, I think. And we'll, we'll basically crudely introduce it or organically introduce it. Now, Stu and Rojan, what did you learn today? Oh, I, you know, I was, hmm. I'm, I was glad. How it feels to fail a social yeah, role. That was, that was pretty bad. Um. I, I was delighted to hear that rolling limit happens one per session because even before we left the office, the first thing I was going to do was ask Raven, so where did you get that deed? And instead you had an NPC ask, so where did you get that deed? And he had to roll limit. And the first thing I'm still going to do next session is go, so where did you get that deed? I, yeah. <laughs> right. So, Okay. Now, it is good. Okay, and we can actually have this open conversation now. So, Fred, it's good that you you kept that secret. Yeah. Um but the ro the limit rolls have to be public, right? So that it's okay. it, so yeah, that people understand what's that, going yeah. on. And it will be the same for everybody else once right. they figure out that they're doing stuff that is is going against their limit. Yeah. And it's it's because it's this behind the scenes mechanic that people don't even know that's happening and the the ending result is so profound and scary yeah. that other players are going to want to know if you're accruing yeah. limit yeah. because they're going to want to be psychologically ready <laughs> for whatever you turn shit. into when you limit break. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And like not, not the, not even the player characters. So the characters, there's no way they would know this, but players need to be ready for when you're playing off brand. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's what limit break does. Like limit break is basically the worst version. Of oh you. yeah. Oh yeah. 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 <laughs> it's going to be spectacular. Yeah, I know. I, I was kind of <laughs> curious what that botch was going to do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, the botch was like a heaven sent. It's it's not accruing limit is so glorious, and you like 
you did a good job. Um, I so. think Rojan still feels like they've been taken advantage of a little bit, but I think he's fine with that. I uh, and yeah, I guess we'll and see. Y- yeah, I I think he's because uh, he hasn't had to confront people violently and is now kind of starting to expect it. Yeah, that, that's that's. Yeah, I was gonna handle those guys until uh, you got involved. So that was I was I was impressed. I was just like, he's got this. <laughs> yeah, with it'll be. I at this point, Rojan is almost getting to the point where he's curious because he he needs to know exactly what his physical limits are as well. Okay, that's that's fair. I if I could just give some advice. Don't try your luck against two seasoned dragon blooded kid out in no, pro- probably not the best idea. Um, no. But uh, but yeah, I I expect that next session you will get plenty of opportunities. So here here's what uh, here's what I took away from the session. Hopefully, it didn't come on too hard at the start. I knew going in that you were going to be mostly safe. I wasn't sure how far we were going to get tonight. But uh, the the social politics, like you needed to meet Prasad because they weren't gonna just let you do the deed thing, and their their pride. There's no way that they would allow you to just become mine owners. Uh, now what's gonna happen next? Uh, really, just needs you need to get that mine up and running. Everybody you want to be safe needs to at least take a hammer into that place and knock it against a few rocks for about an hour <laughs> so that they're covered under yeah. the um, the auspice of your contract. Could we bring them along as surveyors? Yeah, absolutely. Like, realistically, if Stu wanted to, he could start, he could start his religious migration to the Holy Land um, mm-hmm. anytime. Um, and they could watch him assemble the church in a day. Because so like I like that the Holy uh, Land is actually a hole. Yeah. <laughs> um but uh other than that, it was interesting for me. I'm happy that this part is done. Um <laughs> No, really, really I am. It, it was one of those things that it, it came attached to to Raven and it had a lot of significance, but it also weighed down the rest of the campaign. So now that it's out of the way, you can really start to grow and explore the area and explore the mechanics and the world. So I'm I'm more excited for that than anything. The other thing is, uh, I just feel like, uh, and we get hints of this, that each character is more dynamic than we've seen so far. And uh, I'm curious to see that come to fruition yeah. as time goes on. For sure. Absolutely. Yeah. There will be plenty of opportunities as long as we keep playing. So, yeah, as long as everybody's still having fun, we're just going to keep going. Stu, Dan, Fred, thank you very much for your time. And uh, everybody else listening out there, thank you for tuning in. Thank you, Chase. Yeah, Yeah. very much so.
Meanwhile, back in Kyo's office, Kyo is sitting at his table, looking down at the document he has just stamped, reviewing each line. As Motoko re-enters, Kyo does not look up, but begins speaking. All pleasantness has left him now, as he addresses his wife privately. I'm getting Coral to mark this day next year in the calendar. I will also need to get a formal announcement together for the Council of Entities, Kyo says, then looks up at Motoko. You will deliver it in person. Motoko audibly gasps, clearly surprised. Kyo smiles at himself, happy to have caught his wife off guard. A game he seems to savor. He does not let up for long, and you will be taking the boys with you. They are to be formally enrolled in the Lukshain Military Academy to hone their abilities and teach them discipline. I believe this is what your father wants, is it not? At this comment, Motoko becomes visibly angry. Oh, come now, dear. You didn't think a single piece of paper comes into this town that I haven't already vetted. Curious that a former intelligence officer would choose such an easily compromised form of communication. That is, unless it's code. The words hung heavy for a few seconds before Motoko, uh, Motoko's glare turned to the floor. I'm going to give you what you want for a change, Motoko. You get a vacation from this backwater town to see your family with your children with our children. Let us ensure that the arrangements are made for our sons and that they will be secure and safe in the academy for the next few years. Both your family and the academy will be generously compensated for the trouble and the late admissions. Motoko speaks for the first time. It seems you've thought of everything, Kyo, again, including how to satisfy my father and get our sons as far away from here as possible from us. Kyo holds up his hand to stop Motoko from talking and interjects. You misunderstand me, Motoko. I would rather our sons be close to us at this young age, specifically you, their mother. But this town is about to become very dangerous, and we need to move the children as far away as possible so they cannot be used against us. Having just signed this deed, there is now a clock attached to the sworn oath, and every second is another grain of sand slipping by that we can't get back. Motoko responds, clearly confused. What do you mean? What are you saying? The oath is keeping everyone in line, not setting them up to hurt each other. The parts of the oath most people know do that, yes. But this document right here is the key that unravels the knot that keeps all of us from stabbing each other in the back. The oath has a condition, a clause that undoes these last 60 years of forced peace, and it has everything to do with this deed and that empty lot up on the mountain. Motoko looks down at the deed, then up at Kyo, slowly putting the pieces together. It had to stay vacant in order for the oath to remain. Oh, oh, I imagine this was one of those foolish insurances that your father invented, hoping to claim the whole mountain for himself. That man's greed could kill everyone in this town again. In a flat tone, Kyo responds. Do not speak about my father that way. Kyo stands and turns his back to his wife. Now go, get the children away from here, and hire every mercenary you can find on the way back to this town. On this end, I will ensure that the council funds everything. You simply have to deliver the news once you get there to make it official. Because if they wish to maintain this mountain of jade, they will need to be willing to spend a mountain of silver to do it. 
overpay anyone worth a damn and have them approach on foot from the northwest. Have them camp on the western side of the mountain, not facing the town. I will prepare the logistics of supply for them. We have the advantage of surprise, but creation is large, and gathering a decent force will take time. We need everything in place a year from today. So go, my sweet wife, and see your home again, because war is coming to this town, and I will need you here if we hope to win it.